Please bow with me in prayer. Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. You know, ever since I myself was uh, a little kid, I have always loved babies, infants, children. When I was uh, probably, let's say, 10 years old, I had cousins that were younger than I was. And I used to play with the younger cousins, you know, while the adults were doing things just to keep them occupied. And by the time I was 14 and 15 years old, There were two families in the neighborhood. One had five children, and one had three boys, and they used to ask me to be a babysitter for them, which is really unusual because normally it's the teenage girls that get asked to be a babysitter, but I was known as a nice kid who liked kids. And so they asked me to babysit for them, and uh, and it was actually a great thing for a lot of reasons. First of all, at that time in my life, The jobs that I had typically were mowing lawns and caddying. And for those of you that know that kind of work, mowing lawns and caddying, it's hard work and you do a lot of sweat for the money. Babysitting was a cakewalk compared to that. I mean, you know, you play with the kids, you get them to bed, and I loved what the people always said. This was the best line of all. You know, when the kids are settled down, you want to watch TV, And have whatever you want. You tell a teenage boy to have whatever you want. I'll never forget one Thanksgiving. There was the turkey in the fridge. And I guess I got the kids to bed 8.30, 9 o'clock. And they didn't come back till like 11.30 or midnight. And I sat there. And I put the turkey down in front of me. And I ate turkey for three hours. And I just kept eating this turkey. I don't know how much was left when they got back. It wasn't much. Because teenage boys can eat. And I ate. It was great. If you think about it. And I think the reason, one reason why this one family liked for me to watch the the, the three boys, and they weren't that much younger than me, you know, maybe just a few years, is because not only... You know, was I fun and I enjoyed playing games and I enjoyed wrestling with the kids. But if they got into an argument or a problem or a challenge, you know, a guy, you know, I was a physical presence. I was a guy. I could separate them. Not that I was going to spank them or, you know, hurt them or anything like that. But I was a physical presence. I could separate them. I could talk to them like a guy. And and it always worked and it was great. And so they always asked for me. And so it was kind of a cool arrangement. You know, one of the favorite games for kids during that time, you know, without board games because, you know, the different ages and everything, hide-and-seek was great. You know, hide-and-seek always worked well. You know, in a house where kids hide all over the place and they know the house better than you, so they could usually find great spots. If you think about the scriptures that we just read, 
First of all, God says, you hide from me. You think you can hide. You try to play games. And in reality, you can't really. Put that on hold for a second. The other is division. That Jesus talks about when he comes, he's going to cause division. We're very familiar with how different faiths, religion, if you will, can cause division. We see it throughout the world, constantly. We see it in the Middle East between Jews and Muslims and Christians and Muslims. And we see persecution throughout the world, especially of Christians right now, in many, many Muslim countries. If you were to go to India, you would see tension between the Muslims and the Hindus. And in the United States right now, there's a subtle battle between, you know, if you will, an intellectual, intellectual, secular, humanistic, agnostic, atheistic, and Christian belief system. The division is going to happen. That's part of life. And that's part of the challenge in our world today. That people think they can get away with all kinds of things. Either they deny the reality of God's existence, or they think they can get away with whatever as if God is not watching, or there's so many different belief systems so many different ways of looking at things, it's difficult to get along. And I hear people say, why can't we all just get along? Well, Jesus said, if you don't believe in the Lord, and as Jesus prayed in John 17 that they might all be one as we are one, the Father and the Son, if everybody's not on the same page with the Lord, there's going to be division. That's what Jesus said. That's why. We have these challenges before us. In the early part of the Bible, as early as Genesis, you see some of the same issues and challenges right from the beginning. Cain and Abel. Differences in worship. And there's division. In fact, there's a killing. And so what I want to do is I want to look in particular at this reading from Jeremiah. And Jeremiah, what Jeremiah is dealing with during his day. And some of the challenges that were coming up because of false teachers, false prophets. And what they were saying and the challenges that it led to. And the first thing that he confronts when he confronts the people is, you think you can hide. Why is it we think we can hide? You know, it's funny, going back to playing with the kids, 
when they were really, really little kids, you know what was popular even before hide-and-seek was peekaboo. Remember peekaboo? You do the peekaboo game? One of the things that was surprising about peekaboo, though, is when little kids would cover their eyes and they would go, you can't see me. Remember that? I don't understand that one myself. I don't know if I did that one. I might have done it when I was a kid. I might have. But, you know, to cover your eyes and say, you can't see me? That's a little weird to me. But I think what it is, is that if I can't see you, in a child's mentality, it means that you're not there, which means you can't really see me in my mind. And really, that's the mentality that we have with God. That if I close my eyes to the reality of God, if I pretend in my mind that He's not there, if I rationalize or justify, if I come up in my own mind with the way that I want it to be, that I want to live, that I want to believe, that I can do whatever I want, and I think that God can't see me. Once again, it goes back to the beginning. Isn't it interesting how some of the foundations that were laid early in Scripture come out very quickly and very easily and they repeat over and over again. How Adam and Eve were tempted by the serpent. Did God really say, if you eat of this tree... Now, see, the thing is, if you eat of this tree, you're going to be like God. And the temptation took hold because they really wanted to be like God. They wanted to control their own lives. They wanted to call the shots, just like we do, by the way. We don't want anyone telling us how it is or how to live or what we should believe or what we should desire. And when they ate the fruit of the tree and their eyes were open, what did they do immediately? They hid. As if God couldn't see, as if God didn't know, as if God couldn't find them. It's the same idea. And God knew. Of course God knows. It's we who have great powers of denial. And as Jeremiah goes on to say, this is the history of Israel. That down through the ages, God is constantly trying to send prophets to say, come back. You're playing a game with yourself. Or you're listening to these false prophets. You're in denial, you're rationalizing, you're justifying, you're pretending. But you're not walking by faith, you're not seeking the Lord. And you think you can hide. When in fact, as the Lord goes on to say, do I not fill the heavens and the earth, says the Lord. 
Now, it's interesting how you can take that line. If you are fearful of the Lord, if you're in sin, you don't like that line in particular. Because it means God's all around and you really can't feel like you're hiding. But if you know the Lord, and you trust the Lord, and you love the Lord, to hear that He fills the heavens and the earth, what great news that is. In fact, the reality is, if you read the Psalms, you see this sense of His glory fills the earth. And there's awe, and there's wonder, and there's majesty. And if you are walking with the Lord, and you see a glorious sunset, and you see the ocean, or you see the mountains, what a wonderful... You get this sense, He's here. He's present. He's he's incredible. What a blessing He has given us. A completely different sense of do I not fill the heavens and the earth? And what a gift that is to us. And you think about what Jesus said in the upper room. In John 15, so that my joy might be in you and your joy might complete, be complete. The same thing he says in John 17 as he's praying. That there's this completion of joy in us. There's this filling, there's this overflowing when we know Him, when we trust Him, when we're filled with the Spirit. That's what He wants for us. This filling to overflowing. That He fills the heavens and the earth. And He wants us to experience that fullness. That gift. That's what Jeremiah writes here. So that we might know that fullness in our lives. And even in the resurrection. The abundance that comes through with the resurrection. You know, and there's more and more people today, even in the church, that doubt the resurrection. And I don't know how you can, because it's in the resurrection that we have this fullness. This abundance. That Jesus has power over sin and death. It's interesting that people who approach whether Jesus rose again from the dead with an open mind and an open heart and are skeptical or don't even believe it, what can happen to them? There are two people that come to mind. Josh McDowell, who years ago wrote a book, Evidence That Demands a Verdict. He came at the resurrection saying, I don't believe it, but I want to examine all the evidence. And he was converted. He said, the abundance of evidence is clear. Jesus rose again from the dead, and he became a believer, an outspoken believer, an apologist for the faith. And then there was another guy years later. He did the same thing, a guy by the name of Lee Strobel. Lee Strobel came to the resurrection and said, I don't believe it. I think it's a bunch of garbage. I'm going to disprove it, but I want to approach it with an open mind and an open heart as a t- scientist, as a journalist, and I want to examine all the evidence. When he went to examine all the evidence... He said, I can't deny it. The resurrection happened. And he wrote a book called The Case for Christ. I love this book. And then he went on to write a book called The Case for Faith. And he's so convincing. He's so convincing. Because of the abundance. And what the resurrection does for us in our faith, when we approach the Lord with a humble spirit, an open mind, an open heart, 
eyes willing to see. And how that abundance blesses our lives. Because we know we have the opportunity to experience the forgiveness of sin. We know we have the confidence in eternal life. The promise. And we don't need to fear. But see, Jeremiah goes on to say, but you've got these false prophets out there. Don't be dissuaded or swayed by these false prophets. They're around you to try to say to you, but I had a dream. I had a dream that it's not quite what you think it is. It's not quite what the Word of God says. It's something else. Because of this dream that I had. And the popular phrase today, the Holy Spirit is doing a new thing. You can't really trust the Word of God. Whether they're doing it because they themselves are misled, whether they're doing it because they're doing it for gain, because they're deceived, or because they want to deceive. If it's contrary to the Word of God, they're leading you down a destructive path. That's the reality. And it's been happening for centuries, if not thousands of years. And Jeremiah, who starts off earlier in chapter 23, comes to this point and says, don't trust them. And he talks about straw and wheat, which Jesus would later talk about the weed and the wheats. The wheat plants that produce fruit and the weeds that don't produce fruit. And if you want to know, look at the lives of the prophets. The false prophets, they talk a good game. They're righteous in their own minds, but they're not producing the fruit that God says that a righteous person would produce. The fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of other believers, the fruit of compassion and a generous spirit. What fruit is your life producing? When we follow God's word, the Holy Spirit will produce fruit in us that's transforming and transforms other lives. You know, in the last couple of weeks, I heard an advertisement, and I wish I had listened closely enough to catch who it was that was advertising. But it was either TomTom or Garmin or Google Maps. It was one of those. But the advertisement that I heard loud and clear, and maybe I was paying attention to it because I'm leaving for vacation in about an hour. And I got my Garmin right here. The advertisement said, 
never get lost again. Never get lost again. And I'll tell you the way my mind works. The first thing that my mind went to was lost satellite reception. That's the first place my mind went to. And then the second one was recalculating. And then as my mind continued to go, I thought about Meredith who does prison ministry. And the people who geographically are so confined, it would be very, very difficult to get physically or geographically lost that are so lost. And then I think about people that I visit in places like Bloom. Who have gotten lost in their own neighborhood or they get lost in their own minds. And then I think about people that get lost in sin. And the consequences and the destruction in their lives. There's plenty of lostness out there. Never get lost again. See, that's what a lot of people think. That if I just follow my own path, that if I just do my own thing, if I just follow my feelings, if I just believe what I want, how can I get lost? After all, it's my life. I should do what I want with it. But the God who created you, the God who fills the heavens and the earth, the God who made you and designed you, the God who loves you. The God that really desires that you would understand how true joy comes. That He wants to spend eternity with you. That He does have great plans for your life. And there's a way to live. And it's His way. And He has a design and a plan and a will. And it's found in His Word. And it's found in His Son. And it's lived by the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's so easy to get lost. And it's so easy to play games. And the only way that we will experience unity is when we walk with Him together. God has a desire for you. And if you don't know Him, you have to come to Him in humility.
in repentance with open eyes and an open heart. And if you do know him, you can't hide. And you can't play games. When Jesus opened up his arms on the cross for you, he came to embrace you and to take hold of you so that we might live with him and walk with him. That's the only way to not get lost. In fact, let me put it another way. It's the only way to get lost, and that's being lost in Him, in His love, in His grace. It's the only way that life is meant to be lived in. It's the only way that we're going to make a difference in the world around us. Let's pray. Lord God, we live in a time where there are many lost people. And many people that are playing games, hiding from you, pretending. And we live in a world that's so divided, thinking that it's easy to just get along. And yet we see more and more pain and destruction more and more terror. Lord, I pray that first and foremost, each of us here would have humble hearts, penitent hearts, open hearts to you. Eyes that are open, willing to see that you truly do fill the heavens and the earth and that you desire that fullness for us filled with your love, filled with your joy, filled with your spirit, with lives transformed. That we might experience unity one to another. As you prayed in the upper room, that we might understand unity as much as you are united to the Father. That we would be united to you and to one another. Lord, that's how our lives can be different that's how we can make a difference in the world. Lord, I pray today for those who don't know you, that they might come to you to have their lives transformed. For those that are living compromised lives, that they would no longer seek to hide. For those that are lost, that they might come to the light. And be found. And Lord, for all of us, that we would be filled with your Spirit and more and more become like your Son Jesus and more and more be instruments of transformation for the sake of those around us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.